I want to uh, welcome you who are visiting this morning, and uh, we're really glad you're here. And the longer I do this, the more I appreciate what it takes for people to, uh, to walk into a, a church where they don't know anybody, and uh, perhaps a place that they've never been before, even um, in, a, in a worship service that they've never participated. And uh, so if you're here and that's you this morning, um, thank you for being here. And uh, we are, we're thrilled that you're here to worship with us. We've been talking for the last seven weeks about what it might mean to uh, cultivate authentic spiritual community here at our church. And it's been, um, it's been a, an interesting journey. Uh, you love it when people use the word interesting because that can mean a lot of things, right? Uh, what I mean by that is it, on, on one level for me, you need to know this about me, I, I try to practice what I preach. And uh, I'm challenged every week as I look at these different topics that we're, we're covering and say, okay, is this true in my life? Because the reality is, if it's not true in my life or in the life of the leadership of this church, it's pretty difficult to call you into something. Um, those of you that are parents, that are married people, that are friends, uh, you know that it's difficult to take people somewhere where you're not. And so my prayer for these past seven weeks has been that, uh, that not only me, but that a number of us are, are really struggling and grappling with these topics that we talk about. These things are the core, really, of our, of our faith. And to the degree that we live these things out, we become an authentic community where our lives are transformed and changed. And uh, I'll mention it later in the sermon, but the reality is that transformation is hard work, and it's painful, uh, and it's not always fun. And so if you find yourself in that transformational process this morning, and you feel like the, uh, the caterpillar who's trying to bust out of the cocoon or the, the butterfly, and you're in that process, uh, you're not alone. We're all there, and it's a privilege for me to journey with you, all of you as we talk about these things. Well, Hannah read beautifully from the Gospels this morning, and she read the account of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And no, we're not going to wash each other's feet this morning, so relax. Jesus not only lived out servanthood before his disciples, he demonstrated to them in a very tangible way, which he did oftentimes because, like us, they were sort of numb, and he had to show them exactly what he was talking about, and this is what he did. He not only did that, but more importantly, he called them to enter into a life of servanthood. He called them, each of them, and I'm not sure they even realized it at the time, but he called them to become servants. And in the same way, when Jesus Christ calls you and me to follow him, he's calling us to something much more than intellectual assent to some body of knowledge or some understanding of theological principles or some... Issues of church membership, perhaps. He's calling us, each one of us, to become servants. And I suspect, even as I say that, that most of us would prefer to hear Jesus' call to deny our mothers and our fathers or our material possessions for the sake of the gospel rather than to wash feet to serve others. You know, radical self-denial is more adventurous, isn't it? It's more glorious. It's even more spiritual than run-of-the-mill, ordinary, mundane, hidden service in Jesus' name. Service, if it's rightly understood, is not a list of things that we do at church. It's not made up of the mission or the service projects in which we choose to participate. True service in Jesus' name is a way of living. Servanthood is a lifestyle. It's who we are in Christ. There's more to the game of basketball than the rule book. And there's more to the practice of service than specific acts of serving. Even though those acts of serving are really important, there's more to it. 
It's one thing to act like a servant, but it's something altogether different to be a servant. It's one thing to act, to do the acts of a servant. It's another thing to become, to be a servant. And yet it's what Christ calls us to. He calls each of us. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how gifted you are, how inept you are, how confident you are, how insecure you are. You and I are called to be servants. Jesus commands us, in fact, to serve all people. More on this later. Well, if true service is to rightly be understood and then put into practice, we need to make a distinction between true service in Jesus' name and false service, or as Richard Foster calls it, self-righteous service. This morning I want to help us understand what true service is by looking at what it is not. Okay? Are you with me? What it is not. Next week I want to talk more specifically about how we apply it maybe in a more practical way to our lives and into the life of this community, this church community. Well, the first thing we need to understand about true service, it doesn't come about, it's not about our efforts. What? No matter how talented, no matter how capable, no matter how much energy you expend, no matter how sincere or well-organized you are, true service only comes about as a result of our relationship with Christ. Only when we are in Him, and by the way, that little phrase, in Christ, is the most repeated phrase in the New Testament. When we're in Him and dependent upon Him, we become His servants. Only when His Spirit is operative in our lives, prompting us, urging us on, leading us, guiding us, and empowering us, only then are we truly able to serve in His name. We can't do it on our own. Or perhaps we can do it for a while, but we can't continue to do it. Thomas Kelly was a spiritual writer in the 19th century, and he reminds us that God never guides us into, listen to this, intolerable scramble of panting feverishness. How many of us live lives of intolerable scramble with panting feverishness? Isn't that a great description? That's not God. That's us. The result of this kind of service and what he describes is our efforts. And when we try so hard to serve and to do the right thing, we find ourselves panting, scrambling, living in chaos. True service is not, does not require external rewards. This is the second thing I want to talk about. True servants don't need to see that others see and appreciate them. Wow. This is so contrary to our nature, isn't it? True servants don't need to know that others see and appreciate their efforts. True servants of Christ don't seek the applause of other people. Instead, they're content with anonymity, with hiddenness. As one writer suggests, a divine nod of approval should be enough. I want to be appreciated. Appreciate me, appreciate me. We all do, don't we? And yet, when I read Scripture... What I see is service in Jesus' name doesn't require applause. It doesn't require appreciation. Whenever I get a note of appreciation or a word of appreciation, I consider that a gift from God, and I have a little file that I put it in. And occasionally, I open that little file and I read those notes. It's a gift. True servants don't expect that. They serve, and a divine nod of approval is enough. Next, true service is not 
overly concerned with results. We are a result-oriented culture. If I do this, the result should be this. And we carry it into our relationships. Service in Jesus' name is not waiting to see if those that we serve will reciprocate, will do something for us. And yet, how many times do we serve, do we give, and somewhere in here we're thinking, you know, um, that person owes me. We would never say that, but we feel that. I've done this, that, and the other thing, and I need something in return. The truth is, most of us will never have the favor returned when we serve people. And you know what? It should be okay. But for most of us, it's not okay. In fact, I believe that the reason that most churches have a lot of angry, grumpy Christians in them is because our expectations aren't met in this way. I've done this, that, and the other thing, and I've gotten nothing in return. A lot of pastors, a lot of my colleagues are kind of angry, right? Because they do so much for their church. And what do we get? Complaints. Grumbling. And that's, that's easy to get into that. And not just for people like me, but for all of you. All of us. I do this, and I deserve this. And I don't read that anywhere in Scripture. Others don't respond to our serving as we'd like them to. So sometimes we get mad, we pick up our toys, and we go home. We quit. True service is not concerned with results. It expects nothing in return. True service is not about reciprocity or equal repayment. It's only about serving others in Jesus' name and for his sake. That is the reason we serve. That's the only reason. Yeah, we're gifted, we're called perhaps, but when it's all said and done, the reason we do it is because of Christ and because of the relationship that we have with him. Let's move on. True service is not about picking or choosing whom we will serve. Do you ever do that? I want to serve this person because they're easier to get along with. We do it all the time. I like to be around people that are like me. That's easy. I don't like to serve or be around people that are not like me or different, that are difficult, that are grumpy. It's not our choice. Jesus calls us to serve all people, high and powerful people, low and powerless people. All people. It's not our choice. True service does not discriminate. True servants reach out to all people because that's what Jesus did. We have no right to decide who we will serve and who we won't serve. St. Francis of Assisi once wrote, Being a servant of all binds me to serve all people. And listen to this. And to administer the balm-bearing words of the Lord. How desperately People need to hear balm-bearing words, soothing words. How desperately we need to hear those words. As followers of Christ, we are bound to serve all people. And there's another thing to remember about service. It's not impulsive. It's not affected by our moods or our whims. The truth is, too many of us operate based on how we feel. Is that not true? All of us do that. True service is not about serving others only when we feel like it or only when the Spirit moves us. True servants minister simply, faithfully, and consistently. They understand that feelings come and go. In fact, they understand that feelings oftentimes can hinder our service. 
True servants are committed, and they can be counted on. They're committed to Christ, and they're committed to other people. Along these lines, we also discover that true service is not temporary. Not temporary. It doesn't only function when we're performing specific acts of service. It's not about serving in Mexico, or in Russia, or in Mississippi, or even at Mosaic Covenant Church. And then simply calling it a day, washing our hands, and to say, there, I've done my Christian service project for the year. All of those things are very important. But it's not just about those things. True service is ongoing. And you may not want to hear this. I'm not sure I want to hear this, but it's true. True servants stay connected to the people that they serve. True service is all about relationship. As I said earlier, it's a lifestyle. It flows out of us. It springs from us because of our relationship with Christ. I'm learning this lesson with this relationship that we have as a church with this church in Russia. It's hard to stay connected. It's hard to stay connected to a group of people that are so many thousands of miles away and to a culture and to people that are so different than us. And yet, God has called me, has called us as a church to stay connected with those whom we serve. It's ongoing. Finally, you ready for this? True service is not ultimately about us. True service is not about us. It's not about our glorification. This kind of service, this way of thinking, is really sinful. It fractures community. Ultimately, I think it destroys the church. It does nothing to cultivate or enhance the community. It tears it apart. When our faith, when everything is about us, it doesn't build community. I honestly believe that this type of self-righteous service is not only the most subtle sin in the church, but I think it's probably the most destructive one. Those who practice this kind of service are manipulative. They can be selfish, obviously, and I think they're unspiritual. It's not about community. It's not even about Christ. It's about me. It's about me. And that's not what Christ calls us to. It's not about me. Remember what we heard read earlier. You know, when we die, when we give ourselves away, then we find life. It's so contrary to who we are. Service, in Jesus' name, builds community. And it cultivates authenticity in our church. True service quietly, unpretentiously goes about caring for others. We will probably never know who the true servants are, right? Until we get to heaven someday. And we're all somewhere in this process from being completely self-absorbed and self-centered and selfish to being completely other-focused to the point where that's even unhealthy to a degree. But we're all in this thing. True service binds us together. It heals us. And it builds community. It's positive. When we place the needs of others above our own, amazing things happen. And as hard as it may be for some of you to hear this, This is precisely the kind of ministry, the kind of service that God calls each one of us to. Will we ever attain this, right? No, we won't. Can we be in this transformational process? Yeah, we can, and we should be. Further, it's the kind of people that God calls us to be, servants of all, to take up the basin and the towel and to wash people's feet, to serve them and not just to serve ourselves. This is hard work. 
Spiritual transformation is painful. It's difficult, but the result is joy, it's peace, and ultimately it's life. It's life. Remember Christ's words again, that the one who loses his or her life for the sake of the gospel is really the one who finds life. Isn't it, after all, what we're all looking for? Life. True life. I want you to do something this week. It's pretty simple, but I want you to commit to joining me this week by beginning each day with this prayer. My uh, inspiration for this came from Mike Heed. Some of you know Mike. conversation I had with him a couple of weeks ago. And he said to me, I've been thinking, what would happen if each day we actually prayed that God would connect us with somebody that we could care for and we could serve? What would happen? Uh, I said, why don't you run that by your Bible study group? Which I don't know if he has or not. But I, I, I paid attention to that. And here's the prayer. Lord Jesus, as it would please you, bring me someone today whom I can serve. God, today, instead of the prayer being, help me survive this day of work, get me through, what would happen if we prayed, Lord, put me in contact with somebody that I can serve? I have a hunch that if we begin to pray that way, that God will do that. In fact, I'm certain of it. So, be careful as you pray this prayer. But please, join me this week. I'm going to pray this prayer every day. You say, well, that's easy for you. I mean, your job is to do this stuff, right? It's not that easy. And I'll pray for you this week as you do it as well. Servants of the Lord, that's who we are. That's our identity in Christ. This week, live in that identity. Amen.